0: Bienvenidos a Radio Manea. I'm Miriam Soila Perez. And I'm Vero Velti Flores, and we're two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. Each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love, and today we have an episode about gay anthems.
1: We're talking about songs that maybe aren't specifically gay, but have become meaningful to queer folks and trans folks in our communities uh, for a variety of different reasons. And we're starting with a classic. This is Selena, and it's called Amor Prohibido.
2: Baby.
0: This is a classic
1: Yeah, definitely
0: We haven't brought Selena in a long time, actually
1: Yeah, it's been a minute Uh, This song, obviously, is not about gay people It's about un amor prohibido due to class differences But I think that, you know, we were talking yesterday When we were picking these out About how it will never not be a trip For queer people our age and probably older We're in our late 30s mid to late thirties and just like how queerness has shifted from like when we first came out, like, you know, in the public view and how safe it felt to be out, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to now. And this really harkens back to a time when it really felt unsafe. (laughs) And so, Amor Prohibido felt really resonant.
0: What, what like, um, decade was this from? The nineties? Yeah. The the nineties. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think of this episode as kind of like the songs that Latinx drag queens would perform to. Yeah, basically. definitely.
1: Definitely Latinx drag queens would perform to. I think that they're songs that if they came on at a queer bar, everybody would be like, you know, like singing out loud, like screaming, crying, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a kind of like enthusiasm and being seen in music and being... Like having an experience that you have reflected in music, which again, this song is not about being queer, but like the experience of feeling like your love is forbidden was a very everyday experience for queer and trans people um, before very recently. And, you know, still to this day for many, many people. Mm -hmm. And so I think that for that reason, this song really, um, yeah, really like resonate and hit in that way.
0: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, there's plenty of people who are still closeted in parts of their lives or all of their lives where this could still resonate in some way or another.
1: And it was really unusual to have a song reflect your experience or any culture really reflect your experience when you were a queer person. It was like either really special or really underground or really um, niche. Right. And it is only recently that we've like really seen like representation and song and television and movies and just culture pop, popular culture in general right I mean there's always been like we've always been around and there's rep- and representations of us have always been around in different levels of culture but I think that like on a mass scale um, it was very unusual at this time in the 90s when this came out so um, this is sort of like what we had
0: Yeah I mean it's it is like a unique experience I mean hopefully it'll become a like unique experience to have to ascribe meaning that isn't there to something so that you can feel seen or feel like it represents you you know. Yeah. Which like you when something's explicitly queer you don't have to do that work you know to to sort of flip the script or like change the pronouns or just like decide Mm -hmm. that it's you know it's like I feel like I relate a lot to bachata love songs and like they're sung by men so they're singing to women so that like mostly reflects my sexuality but like I'm not a man, you know, and so I have to sort of like suspend belief a little bit to like resonate with it. But the idea that there is going to be more and more music and there is more and more music where you don't have to do that is kind of amazing.
1: Yeah, it's really it is really dope. But yeah, it will never, never, ever, ever not be a trip for me to think about what it felt like when I first came out versus what it feels like
0: now. Well, I was asking you last night, oh, this is really fun, y'all. We're in person.
1: Oh, yeah, we're in person. We're in the Brooklyn same place. We're in Brooklyn. First time in what, like two and a half years? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's been a long time thanks to the pandemic. Um, it's funny because I'm not used to making eye contact with you when we're recording. So I'm kind of yeah. like, do I look at you? Do I not <laughs> look at <laughs> you? Um, but I was saying yesterday, I was like, do you think it could ever change back? Like, do you think that we could ever go back to a time where like gay, like LGBT acceptance is, um, is really not mainstream?
1: And I said, unfortunately, yes, I yeah. do think it could change yeah. back. I'm not sure And if I was it like, I'm likely. fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> if it feels likely, but yeah. I absolutely think it's possible. Yeah.
0: And then it's like you think about like Berlin in the nineteen thirties, pre Hitler yeah, and like pre war in the twenties. Yeah. yeah, it was like a very like it was like a gay mecca is mm-hmm. what people say. Mm-hmm. Um and then there was a clear real reversal of that. So, you know, we have to like be grateful for what we have and realize that it's not it's not guaranteed in that way, but
1: yeah, and we have to maintain a culture around it, mm-hmm. right? Maintain the culture that makes our lives like okay and safe, mm-hmm. right? That's not a given.
0: Yeah. It's interesting cuz I'm I'm working on young adult fiction and I've been working on it for for a long time now, and there's just like funny tension of like not being able to write about the context we grew up in Mm. without like making it kind of like historical fiction Mm -hmm. (laughs) because kids these days have such a different context around queerness and like I'm writing like queer YA. Yeah. And so like having to try to figure, like I wrote a YA, my first YA novel that I wrote was like about the context I grew up in, but I said it in modern day. Um, And I think if kids, in that pl- where i grew up read it now they would be like this doesn't make any sense like no. if this kid is too isolated from queerness like that's not possible anymore because of the internet and like you know Yeah. so it's like i don't i actually don't really know how to fix that and like do i want to write historical fiction about the 90s <laughs> like maybe <laughs> yes <laughs> but yes! then i but then the cell phones can't be in it and i kind of use them as part of plot so i don't know i don't know the the second novel i'm working on now it it's set more in modern day and more in like a context where there is acceptance for queerness and so it's navigating different things. But my first book was very much just like a coming of age, like coming out story. And yeah, it's like things feel dated really quickly for kids these days because they didn't experience that. It doesn't feel like realistic to them. I mean, I'm generalizing a lot, right? There's still places where it's really, really hard to be gay, but but then you still have access to the fucking internet, you know, right. which right. like brings you closer to people who are accepting and you know
1: that there exists a world in which you could be accepted where which was right. really different for us where yeah. we thought that we were wild freaks that were like abominations of the world and nobody could ever accept us anyway.
0: Really what I thought was like, I'm not attracted to Ellen and I don't want to be her. So I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so I'm not I decided, as extreme as what you were. Saying.
1: <laughs> I decided that because i liked boys and i didn't want to be gay mm-hmm. that must have meant that i wasn't yeah gay. yeah
0: you definitely had a choice i just <laughs> thought i thought i was checking out other girls because i wanted to be like them not because i wanted to want them yeah
1: i was, <laughs> was very I confused myself. i was like wow i just look at girls boobs and i'm fascinated by them but i didn't relate that <laughs> to being gay at all interestingly
0: yeah i know things have changed a lot um all right well the next song that we're gonna bring to this episode we collaborated on this one so it's not really like Veto's picks versus my picks um is called simplemente amigos and it's by anna gabriel let's take a listen
2: Simplemente amigos y nada. Más.
1: So I think so far we've brought both of these songs. Maybe we haven't brought Simplemente Amigos, but we've definitely brought Ana Gabriel because she is a strong favorite of mine. Mm. I get down yeah, to my girl, Ana Gabriel. Yes. It's like she's one of those artists that makes me feel feelings that I have no business feeling. Like it's like <laughs> I don't I'm not in the situation. I'm not sure if I've ever ever been in the situation, but like I'm just like going through the yeah. emotional roller coaster for the duration yeah. of the song. And this one is one of them that makes me feel that way.
0: Do you remember, like, when you first got exposed to her?
1: I don't remember, no. I mean, it's been, yeah, I don't know. It's, like, too far in the recesses of my memory. Yeah,
0: that's fair. I mean, this was from 1988, and it was a big hit. It was nominated as Pop Song of the Year. It did not win, but it was nominated. So, you know, she's got a significant following for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this song, I I definitely didn't realize until up until I think like maybe about a year ago, actually, that this song was about Ana Gabriel's or, you know, rumored to be about Ana Gabriel's relationship to queerness and to specifically to Veronica Castro. Um, so there's like, again, this is like very gossipy, very rumored Millie, but also like, I don't know. I think that like widely accepted as fact, which doesn't mean that it is fact no, at all.
2: No, absolutely <laughs> at not. All. Absolutely not.
1: Um, but <laughs> yeah. this song is about like Ana Gabriel's relationship to Veronica Castro. And so it's like, even if it's not, but the experience of having to pretend that somebody who you are in a loving, intimate relationship with uh, is just your friend and like that, like farce of like having to live that way is something that like uh, most queer people our age probably have been through. Yeah, did you have that experience? For a little bit, yeah. Yeah, for a little bit with my first, um, yeah, with my first relationship, like the early, early days. You, pretend, you were like, we're just friends. I mean, kind of. I lived away from my family, so there wasn't a lot of, like, having to excuse that in mm-hmm. the same way. I'd just be like, I'm at my friend's house, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. it's not like what if I was on the phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, there wasn't a lot of having to be like... This mm-hmm. is, like, a friend that just suddenly showed up on the scene and now is hanging out with me every single day, you know? Right. Um, but, yeah, I think that, like, th- that is that was a very common experience and one of the reasons why this song, like, regardless of whether its origins have to do with Ana Gabriel being gay or not, like, reflected a kind of experience that, like, queer people at the time that this came out, like, were really um,
0: familiar with. I didn't have the experience of, like, having to hide my relationship, but I did have the experience of, like... In college, I had like this best friend in early college before I was out. Where I look back and I'm like, oh my god, like we were in a relationship without being in a relationship. It's oh, like, I had those too. You yeah. know, we talked on the phone every day. We talked about how we missed each other. Like over the summer, all we wanted to do was see each other. You know, it's like okay, that was like kind of an obsessive friendship bordering on something more. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, closeted and she wasn't out either, and so it was just like, yeah. You know, is she gay? Does she ideas? No, queer? Yeah. no, which confuses the fuck out of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was just about you boo maybe you were special enough
0: <laughs> i ran into her i don't know i'm assuming she doesn't listen to the podcast but i ran into her a couple of years ago on the street in dc and i was like oh my god maybe this is it like maybe this is my big love story like i'm gonna oh like my god re-meet my like college so best friend i know comedies. i do <laughs> and then we went up for a drink and she's like telling about the guy she's dating that she met on like match.com and i'm like wow okay <laughs> no not gonna happen not gonna happen Um, it's okay it's okay Uh, but yeah Um, but yeah I didn't I didn't have anything where I was like in high school and you know like none of that I didn't have any secret loves then yeah yeah but so I was researching I had not heard this rumor and I was researching it yesterday and like all the articles I found about this idea of her being gay were like totally speculative like trash outlets that are like 100 percent. it said that I'm like yeah. who says it who says it <laughs> it said that this song is about uh, veronica it said that the reason that they haven't <gasps> come out is because veronica didn't want to come out you know um so i don't i don't know she's still to this day the Nyes being a lesbian so i feel like at some point you just have to respect what people say about themselves you know
1: yeah yeah and uh, Either way, I think that, like, this song does, like, reflect that experience. And it has become a gay anthem. Like, I don't think it is a gay anthem because of Ana Gabriel's you know, rumored identity. Mm -hmm. I think it's a gay anthem because like Amor Prohibido reflects an experience that queer people at this time found themselves in a lot. And like, I think that queer people today, like some, you know, find themselves in sometimes as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. None of the the musicians on this episode, the artists on this episode are actually openly gay. Yeah. So it's, it's totally that particular thing.
1: Yeah, it's just like this experience of like songs that reflected a particular experience
0: about queerness. Mm-hmm. This next one I feel like is even more so like a very clear. Well, they all are, but this one's like a this one I really picture um, a drag queen doing like a great number to this one in like a really fabulous <laughs> outfit. Um, so let's take a listen to Gloria Trevi's "Todos Me Miran." <laughs>
1: I wouldn't pay a lot of money yeah. to see a good drag show with all of these, but this one would be like, yeah, on top. yeah,
0: I just feel like it, it lends itself to so much like dramatic movement and you know, like the, the sound, the beats of it. And I can just see someone stomping across, the stage, you know, <laughs> I mean, she does like when she performs this song too, in some ways, but God, I want to go to a drag show. I know. I miss that. God, I miss so many things. Also, like RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, it's a complicated show. There's like a significant number of Latina queens, but they never do Latina songs. Oh, really? I mean, not that I remember. You know, they're limited somewhat by um, licensing stuff Mm. and like what songs they can license. Like, usually, oftentimes they'll have a guest. If they have a guest judge who's an artist, it'll like be all their music, you know? So I think it has to do with that, but also maybe what they think the audience is interested in, you know? Um, But I love that. I love the like, i don't know i mean i love latinx music so of course i'm gonna love like drag to latinx music but but yeah i mean there are shows happening in dc i'm just like i'm not going to a bar right now you know
1: also like isn't singing like one of the worst things you can it is spread covid
0: <laughs> i feel like the drag queens though early like, on like they're
1: not singing they're just mouthing the words. yeah like, they don't, don't sing they, they lip sync yeah. but
0: they i feel like they early on had this they had figured out how to do like good looking like face shields for like their shows have you seen Uh, this like they're like glasses face shields but they don't I mean unfortunately a face shield on its own doesn't really do much for you it doesn't but I've seen that and like drag brunches and stuff. I mean people gotta work this is their job no people gotta work yeah and
1: it's like at least where we are it's cold so it's not um it's not easy to do an outdoor thing I mean there's like the outdoor heater thing but like I don't know personally I'm just like I'd just rather not go
0: well the problem is like what I'm, I'm seeing cold. in DC is like yeah you have a heated patio but then you put plastic all around the fucking yeah, thing. Yeah that's fucking dumb. And then you're like not only are you not really outside but you don't even have an HVAC system to circulate air. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's actually more dangerous than yeah, just being inside. So anyway the pandemic this part of the pandemic is terrible for so many reasons but um but yeah no drag shows for me right now.
1: Well, maybe in the future we will get to see some, like, good Gloria Trevi, Todos Me Miran (laughs) drag performances, at least one.
0: Yeah, and we've brought her to the show before. I don't know if we brought this song.
1: Yeah, we've definitely brought Gloria Trevi. I'm not sure about, yeah, I'm not sure about this song either.
0: Yeah. It's almost been six years. Like we just can't keep track anymore. Can't
1: keep track. I do want to say if any of y'all listeners are drag queen, drag queens, please consider any of these songs (laughs) for your segments. You're welcome. You're welcome. We would, and then invite us
0: to your show. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, this last one I did not realize was a cover until we did the show. Yes, I feel like we brought this one recently. I think so. But it felt just like
1: such a gay anthem that we just had to bring it again. Mm-hmm. Sorry, let's remind you about this Talia classic, A Quien Le Importa. yesterday I think I did know I think that when I was doing a, the research for this song I can't remember if I talked about it but I think I did know it was by Alaska I think that it was older but it's not like a super pressing I definitely think of this as a Thalia song and mm. I don't my my engagement with the song is as a Thalia song right. not as an Alaska song um, so which I think reflects my age right like this came out in like the early 2000s right. and like the other song came out in the 80s when yeah. I was like too young to have remembered it, unless it was part of, like, you know... It it wasn't part of, like, my growing up, necessarily, at least not that I recall. So um, I I think of it as a Talia song, for sure.
0: Yeah, but the original is by this Spanish group that I'd never heard of before called Alaska y Dinarama, And, yeah, it's from the 80s. And I don't know if it was gay then or not, or if it's just about looking weird or being different, which is sort of what it sounds like. I don't
1: think that it was gay, like i i i mean it didn't it doesn't sound like alaska dinarama were openly gay at mm-hmm. least but the wikipedia entry for um the alaska dinarama version of the song did say that it became like an anthem in spain's lgbtq mm-hmm. community because you know like yeah, yeah like it doesn't importa yeah like you can like i don't you don't give a fu- like why mm-hmm. would you give a fuck about right. what i do what i say right. how i dress like right. well, fuck you Yeah, yeah like I, why a, does, a does it importa
0: yeah what does it matter to you yeah
1: And it's just, like, a great fucking vibe, Mm -hmm, this song. mm -hmm. It's uh, excellent for karaoke. Mm -hmm. I think, like, the last time, like, I didn't... Like, I knew this song, like, probably from when it came out-ish. And then I was reminded of it. Actually, again, the last night that I went out before everything first shut down for Mm -hmm. the pandemic in 2020, in March 2020... I remember I started isolating myself on a Friday and that Wednesday I went out. I like that Wednesday I woke up in the morning and I was like, oh, you know, this is probably overblown. And then later on (laughs) that night I was like scared to be out in Mm -hmm. the bar because I was like, I'm definitely going to get sick. Mm
0: -hmm. It's amazing. I remember how quickly it evolved. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, like my understanding of it evolved like within like 12 hours from like, this is probably fine to like...
0: We're all gonna die. Maybe I'm gonna die. <laughs> right
1: at this bar where God. I'm singing karaoke, but I did have a really good, fun night of karaoke where "Aqui Le Importa la Italia" was sung by my friend Fifi, and I was like, "What? This song is amazing! I forgot about it." <laughs> so
0: I thought you didn't like karaoke. We've like I, talked about this before.
1: Yeah, no, I don't generally, but like Fifi and Eduardo, who are like my two like music menazon uh or two of my like venezuela music journalists industry-ish friends and they invited me to go do karaoke at santa salsa which is a Venezuelan, you know eatery slash bar and i couldn't say no to it so i was like yeah sure i'll come to karaoke i'm not gonna sing though mm-hmm. but then i did sing i sang <laughs> <Aby> Queen.
0: Uh-huh, <laughs> which one
1: um uh i sang um quiero bailar okay yeah um And I sang also Caramelo de Cianuro, which is, like, a Venezuelan pop-punk song, a pop-punk band, and I sang the song Veronica, which is, like, obviously my fucking jam.
0: So, and this wasn't even, like, private room karaoke. This is, like, you're doing it in front of the whole bar. in front of the bar. That's impressive. I've... I've not done that kind of karaoke.
1: I am not soothed by having a private room. For me, it's about I'm bad at something. And I'm bad at it in private or in public. I just don't like being bad at it. So my edge is not other people, not like strangers or my friends. Right. I think it's actually worse if my friends seeing me being bad at something than strangers seeing me bad at something. Because I don't give a fuck about what strangers think about but me. But my
0: experience <laughs> about like karaoke bars that there's like a dedicated group of people who are like, take it so seriously and like know all the melodies and like, like there's a place in DC, um, that I went and did karaoke once and it's like a Latino spot and it's a public karaoke. And like, these are people who are like practicing in their basement. Yes. And so I'm like embarrassing myself, you know, I think my friend and I tried to do a reggaeton song and they were like, well, no, 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 we can't do this. This is not a song that's doable for us, especially if it's a track that doesn't have the melody behind it. It's just the... Mm -hmm. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I can't carry it. I don't have the memory for it. So I like Private Room because then I'm not around like celebrity, you know, professional karaoke singers, yeah, and like, yeah. you can do whatever you want. No, you know?
1: I, this place definitely did not have okay. that vibe. I've been to karaoke places that have that vibe, and I cannot. And I've also been in, like, a private karaoke with people who are like, oh, I love karaoke. Let's go. It's so fun. You don't have to be good. And then they're, like, sing Tony Braxton. I'm like, <laughs> fuck you.
0: they <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I tried out for American Idol, like, four times. It's fine. <laughs> No,
1: no, no, but yeah, again, Limporta came up at the karaoke, and I am very grateful because it was it was a lovely night. It was a really beautiful last night of like quote unquote normal, God. whatever <laughs> the fuck that was.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know my last real thing was the aventura concert which was like frighteningly large thing to do in that moment but also like kind of amazing yeah
1: yeah it's like you didn't know that you were no, a super spreader event. i didn't
0: i don't think i was yet but like it was close to being one my god yeah but this is a great song and definitely also would be amazing and i'm sure has been amazing for drag
1: yeah yeah i'm sure
0: these are all just like songs you want to belt out too which helps
1: I think that helps. I think that like part of them being gay anthems is their anthemic quality is that like I feel like every single one of these I picture, like I said, with the Selena song, like people like screaming, tears rolling down their face, like really relating and like feeling the feelings, you know? Um, and so they, they all have like that sort of like anthemic quality to them where you just like really feel the lyrics in that way.
0: Mm hmm. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, as always. Um, We wanted to start reminding everybody that we do have a membership program. Thank you so much to the folks who already are members. Um, And if you subscribe to the membership program, it's only five, it starts at $5 a month. So it's a a pretty low bar. Um, You get a special segment on every episode that is not included in the main episode. And today we talked about um, a song inspired by um, like gringo gay anthems. That's a Latinx song. So if you want to hear about that, Um, think about joining our membership program. The link to the membership program is in our bio, in our show notes.
1: As always, all the information from all the songs that you heard today are going to be in our show notes and follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. We're on there. We're doing things. We have a cute newsletter where we link to shit we're reading. And yeah, thank you so, so, so much to those of y'all who are members for supporting us to those of y'all who are not for listening We love you. Yeah.
0: And thanks again also to Maite Sosa from um, Cabronas y Chingonas for editing our podcast. Hasta la próxima, y'all. Bye.